Good evening. Welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shopdoss. C70 is about at C70 on Twitter with me, as always, Tara Nichols from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. Tara, we're doing two shows in back-to-back weeks. I do feel like this is kind of our spring training, too. We're going to have to start stretching <laughs> and, you know, um, probably using some muscles we haven't used because it's been a while since we've done back-to-back shows. It has been, and I'll do you one better, not just using muscles that we haven't used in a while. Uh, remembering who even is on the team and the fact that, hey, remember when the Cardinals got a new manager? <laughs> yeah, that's a, uh, you know, uh, Ben Godar was on with me at Mutual this week, and we were like, I think it was before we started recording. It's like, okay, so so Ozzy's still on the team, right? Is, it, is that where we're at? You know, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it, it is hard to figure out exactly who's going to make up this 26-man roster. Um, But unlike when we did the show last week, we know that there will be a 26-man roster. There will be baseball. um, If the CBA gets settled, it's baseball in a slightly different form. Well, I don't know. I think it's maybe a little bit more. It's a slightly different form than we saw it in the last, last time we were together with the game on the field. But it is baseball. Um, were you surprised that this kind of got settled out um, this week? And what did you think of the changes? I was surprised that it got settled and that it didn't come at more of a cost to the mm-hmm. players. Because as we talked last week, it seemed that the only way to really break through was going to be for the players to not only concede on some of the financial and contractual things, but to give up a lot of weird things about the game of baseball that we were all kind of just like, wait, what we're doing this now. And granted, some of those things have been in play and some of those have been in the works for much longer than this negotiating process. But I guess the simple answer to your question is yes, it was surprised. And I was, I guess, pleasantly surprised. Maybe that was the whole point, right? Make it seem like it was going to be really terrible and then settle for something that's, not completely horrid, but also didn't quite go as far as uh, it would have gone had the players gotten a little more of what they were uh, aiming for in this process. So I don't know if I would say I'm pleasantly surprised or uh, surprisingly not as disappointed (laughs) as what I, I thought would have happened for a deal to get done at this point. Because look, you know, it seems like just hours before MLB was like, oh, cancel more games, shut it down. We're not going anywhere. Yeah. And then a deal was nearly announced. So I was surprised that it came together in that way. But I, I guess I was almost equally frustrated with the fact that if that's all it took, right, hmm. <laughs> if, if it could come together that quickly – why, one, did it take as long as it did? And two, did they wait as long as they did in order to get the ball rolling on this? Because they could have managed that sort of, hey, you want this? We want this? Okay, let's talk this out. Um, and I'm clearly simplifying it for the, right. the purpose of the point. Uh, but, you know, they sat around for a long time <laughs> waiting for MLB to to kind of put their offer out there and get this process started even once they officially locked out the players, right? There was time after that that they could have gone back to the table and didn't. So my short answer turned into a long answer, which is classically (laughs) me, which I know you've all missed. Um, But yes, surprised, still not as disappointed as I thought I would be, but also a little bit annoyed that it did take as long as it did. Yeah, 
Although I will say it does feel like these two sides were not going to come to some any sort of agreement until there was a really a real hard deadline, you know, a real loss of something. Um, and it got to the point where the you know the teams were not going to play 162 games, and that seems to have you know pushed things a little bit more. I do find it interesting that the ownership, the, the executive council of the players voted, I believe unanimously to turn this deal down. Right. And it was the player reps that came along and said, they're going to, um, they're going to vote for it. And it, you know, and it passed what 26 to 12 or something, whatever the, the numbers are. Um, it, it's, it's very surprising to me to see that, I don't want to say disconnect, but at least a pull. Usually they're, they're kind of in lockstep, you know, that the, what the executive council says that the team reps are usually along with because they're kind of focused on the same thing. So to see them, you know, kind of override that and say, we're going to play ball. That surprised me a little bit. And I don't know if that means anything long-term. It may have just been, Hey, there was a point that they, you know, the council thought was more important and the players didn't, but I don't know. Maybe something to keep an eye on going forward. Yeah, it was definitely interesting. And I think there are a lot of ways you can go with it. Like you just did, the idea that, oh, maybe they were not quite as um, united as they once were or as they would have been had a few more of those concessions been made in terms of coming closer to the Players Union um, proposal. I would be very curious to know if there was some sort of kind of just to offer a different alternative, which we probably won't know for for a good while at least what was really going on there because we weren't in the room. But I could see a scenario, and maybe I'm just reaching, where the players' union knew that at that point it was going to pass. They knew Mm -hmm. they were going to have the, I believe, simple majority needed to agree to it. But that those eight, I think it is, could almost make a point by saying no this is still not what we think it should be Mm -hmm. and also not stop baseball from happening i don't know that there would be that kind of dynamic going on in that situation but almost like hey we're gonna still make a statement but also get the show on the road because it's close enough that we can accept it for now but setting the stage for later next time around other negotiations to still say, hey, there's more that we need to discuss here. There's more that needs to happen in order to feel like this is relatively equal footing or I, I guess just footing, whatever that may be in that dynamic. So I don't know. That may be a, a stretch too far, but like you said, we don't know. And maybe we won't know for some time. Yeah. Yeah, we may not. Um, I don't know. It, it, that's a good possibility. It, it's something to, to consider as well. Um, before we go on to what the Cardinals look like, what the Cardinals have done, just seeing something on Twitter that I had, I think is worth us discussing. It sounds like Carlos Martinez has signed with the San Francisco giants. Um, we knew Carlos wasn't coming back. We knew that, you know, this was going to happen, but still it's going to be extremely weird to see him in a different uniform, isn't it? And, and wonder what could have been. Certainly. Yeah, absolutely. I think 
my perspective on the Carlos Martinez story is I've come to this point of realizing it wasn't going to work in St. Louis for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Now, look, as I mentioned, uh, surprise, new manager. We almost forgot Ollie Marmol yeah. is going to yeah. get a chance to uh, to to see what he can do at the helm. I don't know if that would have been a situation where he could have connected differently with Carlos Martinez from having been on that minor league stage for so long. Not that Mike Schilt wasn't, um, but just a different voice who had been with him through a different part of the process or had been with other guys who maybe had struggled with similar things through a different part of that process. Sometimes that new voice is as effective as the change of scenery that we all like to talk about. Right. So it could have been interesting to see that, but I think I had sort of resigned myself to the reality that Carlos Martinez in St. Louis wasn't going to work like we all imagined it could have. Mm-hmm. And I think that the best bet for the Cardinals at that point was to just kind of let go of the the what could have beens in that scenario and let him move on to whatever that might look like. Because I think there's been Again, from my perspective, very much on the outside looking in, I don't know that that drive to um, figure it all out in a consistent way. And I feel like I have to be very careful in in talking about this because so much has been said about Carlos Martinez that has questioned his mental game, that has questioned his – and I I, I don't want to suggest that in any way that's – kind of falling in line with, well, now that he's not good right now, we can question all these things about, is he a head case? Is he this? Is he that? I don't want to play that game. But I think the the sort of childlike wonder that he had when he first came onto the scene where he could just go out and do what he did had kind of been replaced by this little bit of fear and hesitation that maybe it wasn't good enough or maybe he couldn't keep doing it. And, you know, he'd go out every time and say, no, 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 I got it. I want to do this. I want to be a starter. I want to be out here. I don't think it was a matter of not wanting to, um, but kind of getting overwhelmed by the setbacks to some extent and maybe needing a little bit of a break to clear all of those negative experiences that had kind of held him back and be able to reframe what he wants out of baseball and where he wants to go in this game. And maybe that took doing it somewhere else. So it'll be strange, certainly, but I would still love to see the Carlos Martinez that we thought might exist actually happen in baseball because I think he's going to be really fun to watch if that ever materializes. Um, But I'm, uh, again, I I guess also a little bit at peace (laughs) with the fact that it's not going to be in St. Louis because I feel like the writing has been on the wall for quite some time now. Yeah. I mean, there, Carlos has never quite, you know, he's had some good runs in St. Louis, but it never was quite what was expected. Maybe expectations were too high. At times, I think they may have been. And, it, you know, at times people were, you know, poking at the wrong things, you know, the hair color or, or whatever the case might be. But, you know, the last couple of years, you just, you just wish it could have, you wish it could have gone a little bit better. Um, and hopefully it works in San Francisco. Um, you know, it's good that if it does work, he's not in the same division or anything like that. I think <laughs> that would have been pretty terrible if he had figured it out while he was a cub or something like that. But mm-hmm. um, it, it's going to be interesting to see the rest of his career too, right? I mean, if he can, you know, make some time in San Francisco or if he bounces around, if, if he continues to try to, you know, find what everybody thought he could do. Um, but anyway, it, I mean, it's just, you know, there's, 
when this 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 winter has been so weird and, and so long that it's going to be a little bit disconcerting when we get to opening day and you know there is no Carlos Martinez for the first time in mm-hmm. what six years um seven years whatever it's been there is no Matt Carpenter for the first time in a decade um some 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 familiar faces kind of slipped off in the night um without a whole lot to to be said for it and uh you know we've got some new ones to to talk about we'll get to that too but um missing out on on those guys is I don't want to say it's necessarily a bad thing. And obviously this is a situation that, that needed to happen for, you know, for both of those guys. Um, but it's still just, it's still just weird, you know, and that's just what we yeah. have to kind of come to terms yeah. with. Yeah. I think, you know, similarly, it was weird to not see Colton Wong with the Cardinals, not right. to, not to turn this into a Colton Wong conversation <laughs> oh, uh, it's always as a one Wong does, conversation. but no, the same, the same feeling was there in right, that, right. wow, well, okay, this might be good for him long-term. I, I don't know that I, really felt like it was good for the the Cardinals, but that's a whole different conversation. It was still strange um, seeing him opening day with someone else for the first time. It was, it was just a bizarre um, mind game that, you know, it was all a lot of appreciation for the, the moments and the memories and the contributions he made in St. Louis, but also, you know, wishing him well, but also not that well. Yeah. <laughs> it's strange. It's a very strange position to be in for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It just, you know, and we've gone through this with different people, you know, over the years of, like you say, with Colton or, or people that have been five, six, seven years on the team, maybe even longer. Um, and then all of a sudden, wow, there's someplace else, someplace that they've never been before because they came up as a Cardinal. I mean, now granted, it's going to be nothing like it's going to be next year in theory um, when there's no Yotter Merlin or Adam Wainwright, then I don't know what we'll do, but yeah, you know, well, I was going to say, I think part of it with Colton, with Carlos Martinez, with some of these at Matt Carpenter is that this is the first like major turnover in a while where Mm. it feels like, Ooh, these are, these are the core pieces that we knew from draft day that we knew from double a that we knew these were the guys these were the ones that were going to either take them to a championship or (laughs) work really hard and not quite get there because they were talented they were um you know the, the the kind of people that the cardinals like having around all those things they became that core and it's the first time in a while that we're seeing that core sort of dismantled piece by piece for various reasons and wondering sort of what the direction long-term is for this team. So I think that's part of it too, is just a little bit at a time we're losing (laughs) some of those pieces of a a really good run in terms of Cardinals history. Now I know there've been some very frustrating years in the mix, in the mix there as well, but these are all players who were part of some of the really big moments in, uh, in, relatively recent Cardinals history. So it feels a, uh, an extra level of strange as opposed to just some guy that played for two years that moved on to another team. It doesn't quite have the same intensity of strangeness. Right. I mean, it's like, you know, KK, which interestingly enough, I'd never would have thought the, the organization said they even, they did, you know, at least consider bringing back, um, but is now going to be, you know, going back to Korea, you know, <laughs> You know, at the guy here for two years, one of which was a you know shortened because of the pandemic. One of which he was a, you know kind of injured in some of that. 
you know, I think we'll always remember KK, but it's not quite so strange. And again, we won't necessarily see him again on a right, regular basis. Right. Uh, but uh, it is, you know, it is that time of, of turnover and, and change, which is always, usually we would have probably spread this out over the winter. And now we're just going to cram it into like a week um, of, of adding and subtracting and trying to get a handle on what's going on. And the Cardinals did add a couple of new faces, um, Drew Verhagen and Nick Wittgren, um, both of which are pitchers. Uh, Verhagen got a two-year deal that was worth about five and a half million, I think, over the span of it. Uh, Wittgren got one year deal that I think was just a little under two million. It's not exactly earth-shaking stuff, um, but the Cardinals don't do earth-shaking stuff very often. Um, they got Nolan Arenado. They're good for the next decade. Um, but it is interesting to see them stocking up on pitching, um, something that they really needed last year. Yeah, and I think this is a very John Moselak-esque move, right? These are guys that aren't names that jump off the page at you. And in fact, we decided to talk about this tonight and both of us kind of went, I don't really know that much about them yet. <laughs> so I'm not going to dive into any sort of deep analysis on who they are and what kind of addition it was. One, because we're still working out that baseball muscle, trying to get it back. And two, they're just not household name type pitchers, but they're the kind of guys that John Moselak loves. He loves to go out and get the guy that maybe doesn't have the numbers that make you go, whoa, but mm -hmm. the numbers that go, okay, this could work. And just stockpile the potential bullpen arms of that caliber. And the thing about, we've talked about this before, everyone talks about this, bullpens are so volatile and relief arms are so hit or miss that somebody who has a four and a half ERA one year can balloon that to nine the next or go the other way entirely and have like a one seven five. I mean, you know, ERAs out of the bullpen are different, but the right. point is he can have a career year coming off of three seasons of kind of just hanging out and middling in middle relief that sort of thing we've seen those guys turn into closers for the cardinals not intentionally but out of necessity we've seen those guys end up being um you know the the john gantz of the world who saved the season a couple of years ago <laughs> as best they could by upping their game when they got the chance to do so and were needed so no, not moves that are lighting the world on fire, but very Cardinals-esque moves and the kind of moves that are just sort of solid enough to give you a little more depth. As you said, fill in some of those holes in the pitching puzzle from last year and hopefully give you a few more options so that you don't have to have someone like John Gant pitch every single day for a year and a half or whatever it was right, right. Um, in order to keep the season on track. So I don't have a lot to add about them individually, but just to say, I feel like Mo picked up right where he left off, most likely, and was like, "All right, now we're uh, now we're back to." But maybe he had to get a slow start too, right? Work <laughs> work that baseball uh, uh, contract signing muscle of his own as well. <laughs> could be, could be. Um, I do find it interesting a little bit that both of these guys. One, sign minor league contracts, and two, don't have options. Um, so these are guys that are going to be on the major league roster. Now, you know, Whitgren especially is a contract that they could probably eat if they have to. I mean, he's going to be on the opening day roster. He may not, you know, make it to the end of the year um, if he struggles. And there's no necessarily reason to think he will. I'm just, you know, just saying. Um, 
it's just I would have thought they would have guys like this they would have tried to look for a little flexibility you know try to sign them minor league contract with an invite to spring training see if they do well you know that kind of stuff but they're confident enough in them to give them the major league contracts and you know add to that bullpen that you know still kind of needs to be sorted out um, it is interesting in the new CPA that people can only be optioned five times a year. And that sounds like a lot, but boy, there's some times with those bullpen arms, they, they reach that uh, or not. And so mm-hmm. that's going to put another wrinkle into how do you build your team when you can't let a guy come up for two weeks, you know, rep- pitching him and then setting back down for 10 to 15 days and bring him back up. Um, I think that's going to be an interesting wrinkle in all of this, especially early in the year, because, these pitchers aren't going to have time in spring training to really get deep into their routines. They're not going to pitch very much. Um, and so it'd be surprising to see starters going, well, I don't know, some starters you may not even see go five innings in the first week or two of, of the season because they haven't had a chance to build up. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how they handle this shortened spring training. I mean, we saw them do it again during that COVID season. Uh, There were so many other circumstances there, though. It's hard to really Mm -hmm. make a comparison or to draw too much from that. Plus, the reality is a lot of these guys have been prepping as best they can so that they're as close to a on track as they could be once they get into spring training mode, which I believe officially workouts starting tomorrow. So it's it's we'll see. I think we'll we'll get a a feel for it pretty quick as to how. how far along all these guys are, but the, the pitching tends to be a slower process. And, um, you know, if you push too quickly, you get injuries to deal with. And we've seen that too. So the Cardinals have a lot of questions as far as what that pitching staff is going to look like and how successful it can be. There's tons of potential in some of those guys. Um, but there's a lot of, a lot of questions about who fills what hole and who's going to stay healthy throughout the season. So, yeah, it it will be tricky, and I think some of those limits, as far as the options are concerned, first of all, I think Daniel Ponce de Leon will love that rule, or he would have loved that rule uh, a year or two ago, as yeah. he was the guy on the bus uh, seemingly every other day um, playing that game. So hopefully that works out well for some of those guys <laughs> that have had that. What I can only imagine, it's just such a frustrating experience and attempting to be the best that you can be and playing that game every couple of weeks. But to your point, it does eliminate some of that flexibility. And maybe that's why you bring in a couple of guys like the Cardinals did this week who have experience. Maybe you look for guys who are more of that uh, multi-inning reliever type role, at least to have on your roster towards the beginning of the year so that they can fill in some of those gaps a bit differently than more of your specialized type roles might be. So we'll see how Marmol decides to kind of group some of those guys together and, and put those pieces together as we get a few weeks into this. But it's another year where we have this really condensed timeline which is great in terms of attention span, right? We don't have to deal with spring training dragging on forever. Not so great in terms of the actual physical necessity of having time to slowly build up and and maybe less aggressively than some of these pitchers are going to want to go at it just knowing the timeline they're up against. Yeah, uh, you know, it's going to be a balancing act. It's a situation that you probably don't want to be in (laughs) as a, as a first time manager. Um, but you know, you'd like to probably be able to script your spring training a little bit better and, 
they're going to have to fly a little bit by the seat of the pants as they try to figure out who's who's healthy, who's not, and, and what they can do. And, I mean, as you said, camp's open tomorrow. There's a good chance, at least throughout baseball, and especially in St. Louis as well, that, you know, people are going to be showing up. They're going to be, you know, joining the organization in the middle of spring training. Yeah. I mean, we've done that before. Kyle Loesch signed a deal like that. But, you know, they could very well be that, you know, a week before they go north, they're signing somebody brand new um, as a as a bench piece or a depth piece, um, trying to figure things out. So it, it's going to be all sorts of crazy. Um, we've seen a little bit of that just in the in the moves over the last couple of days in baseball. Again, not as much with the Cardinals, but some people getting uh, a little bit of trying to figure out what they're going to do. And that means people getting signed or people getting traded or, or things like that. So it, it might be a more interesting spring training than I guess we've seen in a while, because like you said, it's not being drug out and there could be transactions and activities. Even, you know, the Cardinals may get in on this trading stuff because I haven't, like I said, I haven't sat down to work out the roster, but it does feel like it's starting to get a little bit crowded with people that can't be sent down and, and you know how they like their flexibility. Oh, that flexibility. Uh, it is both a blessing and a curse at times that the Cardinals have experienced on both sides of that spectrum. Yes, it, it will be interesting. And, you know, we speak of that condensed timeline in terms of the players getting ready on the field. But you're very right to point out that this is uh, this is what we would have expected to see developing in December and January as far as piecing those teams together. And we did not get a chance to see that teams did not get a chance to put those things in place. Now that's not to say they don't have an eye on what they're hoping for or what they're looking for, but making it all come together within such a short amount of time and allowing that person or those people to get acclimated with a, a particular team or in a particular role. It's a lot. And while it might be very fascinating to watch from the perspective of reality TV, <laughs> it's probably <laughs> incredibly stressful for everyone who's actually living it and trying to to manage that. I think, you know, one of the things that, um, unfortunately, to the chagrin of a lot of National League fans, that yes, the DH is coming to the National League, but that does put the Cardinals in an interesting position of trying to figure out what that role looks like. I think in the past, and even in that COVID season um, where the DH was in play, there was a lot of com- conversation about the fact that, oh, okay, maybe maybe that's a spot for a Matt Carpenter type if he can find his swing again. And he didn't, of course. And there weren't a lot of options to plug in there and feel like it was really an advantage, right? There was a guy that could hit there and a guy that maybe had some potential as a hitter, but not the sort of traditional DH, oh, this is our power guy. This is where we're going to slide this into the spot. So the Cardinals have to figure that out as well. And I Again, I would hope that that didn't catch them by surprise as a front office, knowing that things were headed in that direction. So I'm sure that they have several options in play as far as what they would like that spot to look like for them. But figuring it out for the first time outside of a season that is weird on so many levels as far Mm -hmm. as playing through a pandemic is going to be a really interesting part of the next couple of weeks in trying to dial that in. Because we've talked in the past, it's even in terms of of last season and in terms of, you know, whatever it's been the last few years, the conversation has been, Hey, if there's going to be a DH, like national league teams need to know this so that they can work that into their off season plans instead of scrambling at the very end to decide, Oh, okay. 
now if we have this extra spot in our lineup, how is how are we going to utilize it to the best of our ability and build a roster that makes the most sense? Well, now because of the way that this offseason is gone, um, they are back in that scrambling zone, um, although perhaps less caught off guard by it than uh, they have been in the past. So the pitchers getting ready is a huge piece of that, but filling in the roster and for the Cardinals utilizing a DH spot that they that they haven't had the ability to utilize before and doing it well um, would likely require bringing in someone else offensively, but that's very much out of their comfort zone. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, it really does feel like the Cardinals want to use that DH spot for either young guys coming up or to rotate it or whatever the case might be, which again, may have, you know, they may do that for the next two or three years too. I mean, it's not that yeah. necessarily it's a, Oh, we, you know, it's a new, new wrinkle. You're right. They knew it was coming, but I just feel like, especially with guys like Yepes and Gorman coming up, they want to give those guys a chance to play. And that's a, that's a place to put them. Now, whether you want to run the risk of, you know, a rookie in your DH spot, that's a different conversation to have, but, um, it does feel like that's the the path that they're going on right now. Um, you know, that said, it also gives them the flexibility, as we said, they like that word. Um, if somebody's market drops um, and you can get a one-year deal, even if you've got that position filled, you know, again, if you wanted to, to talk about a Trevor story um, and say, hey, you know, they've already got Paul DeYoung and, and Mundo Sosa, well, you know, maybe one of those guys gets some more time at DH or it's just adds to the rotation and it just gives you a chance to upgrade your team um, in a way that maybe you couldn't have without it. Now, you know, again, will they take advantage of it like that? I don't know. They really like to talk about not blocking the young guys. It also helps that the young guys don't get paid as much. (laughs) Um, But I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a place where they can always, be opportunistic if they want yeah. to be and it maybe well, it, it, maybe it's a trading deadline instead of now yeah too. yeah it's so interesting though this conversation in terms of the cardinals and their use of the dh because i feel you know the idea is that oh bringing the dh illuminates a lot of strategy right I think it just places the strategy entirely in the hands of the front office rather Mm. than in the hands of the manager, because what we're talking about here is what do you do with that roster spot? Do you use it to power up your lineup or do you use it to fundamentally establish a developmental spot in the (laughs) roster for young guys? And, you know, that, that may be um, not the best way to explain it, but because look, these are, these are, kids who are very capable of hitting major league pitching. Um, And yes, I think there's some advantage to giving them a chance to maybe just focus on hitting for uh, any given day or or rotate that around a bit, give guys extra days out, whatever it is. But I think traditionally the use of that DH spot has been a a hitter who is going to upgrade your lineup offensively um, that perhaps wouldn't do so on the defensive side of things. And that's why, you know, so many players love it, right? Because it can extend their careers, not because it gives a young kid (laughs) a chance to develop on the major league roster. So it's just a fascinating piece of the puzzle when you start talking about, okay, these teams that have not had the use of the DH, um, you know, outside of those limited appearances against the American league, um, 
they have to figure out how to utilize it. And there is a strategy there. There is a game plan and an approach to that that will be very telling. And I think, I don't know yet if I agree sort of fundamentally with the Cardinals sort of reserving that spot for allowing young guys to have a a place to play every day. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see how that works. (laughs) But I think it's very Cardinals to be like, oh, cool. Chance for more offense. How about we actually uh, slide in, uh, you know, the seventh outfielder that doesn't have a place to play and let him try it out. (laughs) Yeah, that that would be uh, pretty typical. And, you know, it also very well may work. I mean, we don't you don't know for sure. And, you know, trying to expect them to sign a long-term guy that's going to play in that spot is you know, kind of foolish um, because that's just not the way yeah. they want to work at. Yep. But, you know, maybe at some point in time down the line, that'll be the way it goes. But right now I don't think they're at that, at that spot to do that. So mm-hmm. um, games this week, it's hard to leave, but Friday, the Cardinals take to the field against the Astros. Um 15 game spring training. Um, the sprint really starts now. Um, and it's, boy, it just, it is like we've talked about it at the beginning of the show. It's that flip on the dime, right? You know, going from, man, I don't know, if, you know, they, we may not have baseball till June or July to, oh, we got it, you know, it now, you know, that's immediately. Um, I don't know if I've quite made that mental transition yet. Oh, I, I certainly have not. <laughs> I think it will be very strange to suddenly go from uh, baseball um, websites with no actual faces on them yeah. <laughs> to here are your spring training rosters, everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's strange. And I think that there's no reason to try to make it not feel strange because this is unlike... a. <sighs> I I hate to keep referencing the shortened pandemic season, but that's the only thing yeah. <laughs> um, in my frame of reference to really draw back on as far as this short and to the point and hopefully effective spring sprint uh, mm-hmm. that the, the, the teams are dealing with here. And it's going to be a bit of a scramble and, you know, it may feel like opening day happens and everyone kind of takes a, a breath and it's more of a sigh of relief (laughs) of making it to that point than anything else because it's going to be a mad dash that's for sure very very much so but um looking forward to at least getting a a feel for this team um and seeing well just seeing baseball again i think that's you know hard uh it's really be won't won't hit us till it's on our i'd say on our tvs but you're in iowa so so who knows if we'll get to see it here (laughs) yeah some point in time um, I guess you can subscribe to Apple TV and at least see one game a week or something. Um, right. That right. seems to be the way it is. It may not be Cardinals, but it'll be something. No. So <laughs> hopefully it's not quite that bad. Where um, there's a will, there's a way. That's right. That's right. So anyway, Tara and I, hopefully we'll be back with you again next week. If we can, you know, if we don't, aren't so out of shape that we need a, a, a week off. Um, and we will be talking about that first couple of spring training games and what, what the team looks like so far. So until then, for Tara, I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under podcasts and click subscribe. 
While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.